we have Michael Mori, President and CEO of Bluebird Network, LLC. Heads in the Cloud, with your hosts, David Portnowitz, John Roth, and Frederick Weiss. Welcome to Heads in the Cloud. I am Frederick Weiss. And I'm John Roth. And today we have another amazing episode with a equally as amazing guest, Michael Mori, President and CEO of Bluebird Network, LLC. Michael, welcome to the show. Welcome aboard. Hi, guys. How are you? We're doing great. Michael, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your own words for our audience? Well, right now I'm the uh, president and CEO of Bluebird Network, which we'll tell you about in a second what that is, but big fiber provider. We'll get, um, but I've been in communications now for about 38 years, so a long time. And um, I've gone, uh, basically, I, I started in telecommunications back in 1982, right when AT&T was going through their uh, monopoly breakup. Most people don't realize that back in the old days, everything telecom was done by AT&T. It was a monopoly um, and uh, you were stuck with whatever they did. And, and most of the companies that provide telecommunication services nowadays are offspring or scion of that old AT&T, like Verizon, for instance. Like the current AT&T is actually not the old AT&T. The old AT&T was all of these companies together the current AT&T is just a small part of it. It used to be called, I don't know, uh, anyway, American, uh, uh, well, three different American parts of the, of the t- telecom yeah. company came, became AT&T. But there's so many different parts of, of the telecom world that are descendants of that. So I was actually an employee of the original AT&T when it was together as a monopoly in 1982. Um, I worked there for 13 years. I ended up getting involved in this a uh, newfangled company called Electric Lightwave, which was one of the biggest providers of this thing that was called the internet. You guys know anything about that? Um, heard about it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I it's a fad. It um, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to last. Uh, actually, I was in a board meeting way back then when the chairman of the board of our company said that he wasn't going to invest in it because he didn't think it was going to last, John. Exactly those words. That's when I left Electric Lightwave um, and uh, start basically went out to raise a bunch of money uh, for fiber, uh, didn't work out. So I ended up working for a company, moving to the Midwest for a company called Newbox, which is one of the largest newfangled telephone companies in the nation. Helped them get to a point where they merged with another company. I went out and got venture capital, started a voice over internet protocol company, which was called Voxitas, sold that and uh, then was hired as the CEO of Bluebird Network back in 2012. So, oh. you know, I've, I've been around, background. I've seen a lot. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been in this industry since 86, so I can certainly relate of the time where uh, I, I worked for the telephone company or the split the telephone company. The Which part the, were you working for, John? I was actually working for United Telephone of Florida, okay. which turned into, uh, uh, now it's CenturyLink, and I think that name has been changed recently, CenturyLink's having... Lumen, actually, it's now called Lumen. Yep, so I've been through, uh, those were the good old days uh, when you were on the equipment side, you go out there and just say, you know, I'm with the, you know, the same company that uh, different division, sales division, and 
replace so many 1A2, 1A2 systems in the middle of nowhere in Florida. Actually, I live, I live in one of those counties now. We're so small, but you just go out and, you know, do you, do you want to have this that does a thousand times more than what uh, your current system does and actually costs less money? What, what would you like to do? It was like so, shooting fish in the virtual yeah. barrel, if you now, will. John, if we keep talking about 182 key systems to your podcast uh, listeners, we're going to lose all, all million of them here pretty quick because yeah. none of them know what the hell a 182 that, key that system you're right. is, right? And, and, and what an amphenol is and the punch down oh, yeah. and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But we're showing our age, but <laughs> we still both have our hair. I like that. Yeah. Well, I did. I, that is true. I, I, I do want you to know, though, I did move on from the those early days and I did get into fiber here eventually, which is what I do nowadays. Uh, um, so that's a great, uh, that's a great lead in to tell me. Just tell me about Bluebird Networks. What is it in, well, in your own words, exactly what you guys do and uh, what's your role in it? Well, I got I like to say that Bluebird's the biggest uh, company in telecommunications in the Midwest United States that nobody's ever heard of. Okay. So um, Bluebird it has a over 10,000 mile fiber network throughout the Midwest. Uh, we have two data centers, one in Springfield, Missouri, the other in Quad Cities, Iowa, Illinois. For those of you who don't know where Quad Cities, it's about halfway up the border between Iowa and Chicago. It's about a population area, about 500,000. We've got a data center there. And we have about 74,000 on-net or near-net buildings. What those are is places where people can easily plug into our fiber network uh, with very little effort. Um, we certainly can service a lot more businesses than that. And, and when I talk about buildings, uh, Bluebird focuses our fiber services to businesses and hospitals and finance organizations and banks and government entities and uh, managed service providers. Um, so. Basically, our focus is communications intensive uh, locations. And uh, also we are a huge provider to what I'll call the carrier and wholesale industry. So for instance, there's a huge chance if you're driving around the Midwest that you are, you are when you're using your cell phone, that the cell phone tower that you're going to, if you go down to the bottom, that the connection from that cell tower to the rest of the world is via Bluebird's fiber. Okay. So um, that's one example of things that we do for the wholesale industry, right? Um, you know, we're not the provider of that service, but we help basically every single one of the wireless carriers, I don't use their names, but all of them connect to the network. Um, and and we, we're um, virtually every large government entity throughout the Midwest uses Bluebird to connect them. Um, we're the second largest provider of internet access to schools in the state of Missouri, interestingly enough. Mm -hmm. um, Anybody want to guess who the biggest one is? Yeah, it's AT&T. Know. That's why I say we're the biggest company that does telecommunications in the Midwest that nobody has heard of. Yep. Ah. We've got the infrastructure and they are just basically reselling it, if you will. They're adding value to oh, the okay. service that we're doing. I mean, if you think about, you know, if cell towers, right, we're connecting to the bottom of cell tower, they're providing the service itself. So we're providing some subset of the over service, but think about almost any industry, almost any company, we're providing services to them. We just don't do residential. And that's why people don't know who we are because we don't have a mass market. So we're, we're targeting the people that use our businesses and that's not through advertising on television. 
So do you have like uh, city municipalities or things like that that might come your way and say, I need a ring and I need it put in and you'll basically provide that service or would that come? Yeah, from yeah, that's exactly correct. The only difference between what you just said, and the reality is they don't come to us. We go to them because who the hell is Bluebird, right? That's why we do these things like podcasts. So people like them who are focused on these kind of things know who we are. So they do come to us, John. Well, let me ask you a question then. You're trying to get the name out. What makes you different from your competitors in that sense of the services that you provide? So several key things. We're more flexible. Mm -hmm. We have a better service. I mean, let's, um, I'll come back to that. Why, why better, better service? We're more flexible. We have better service. Um, and um, we are more creative. Um, it is not unusual for um, somebody to come to us and say, oh my gosh, I need, um, I need to have um, the, uh, the, the latency between these two locations be less than 50 milliseconds for the applications that I'm trying to drive. I talked to my local people that we're talking to and they don't even know what latency is, let alone what the latency on their network is, right? Uh, Bluebird is an internet provider. And by the way, we do four things. I'm going to just stop here for a second. Bluebird does four things on our fiber network. We do fiber connectivity. We do cloud connectivity, meaning connecting people directly to the cloud. We have co-location facilities and we do internet in all three of those situations. And so somebody might be coming and saying, man, I cannot connect quick enough for my application to run. So we'll sit down and we'll say, well, Tell me about your application. Where are the two locations? How are you connecting them right now? If they're doing them via public internet, public internet has really, really, really high potential for latency, jitter, or packet loss, which by the way, for those people who do not understand internet very well, are the three things that make the difference between having great internet service and terrible internet service. Absolutely. Um, so when, when you're saying, oh my God, this internet access I have is terrible, okay? It's because one of those three things is not performing well for you. Bluebird in, throughout the Midwest has one of the lowest latencies to any place, less than 20 milliseconds to any place on our network from our data centers. Wow. Um, it has lowest, lowest um, jitter, lowest packet loss. Our salespeople know the statistics on these things. We understand what makes quality internet. Now, what did you say was the problem you were having in terms of uh, connecting with this application? So maybe the answer would be direct connection between the two. Maybe the answer would be upgrading the quality of the internet. Maybe the answer would be coming and locating one of your um, main servers in our data center or data centers. Uh, maybe you're in the cloud and maybe instead of doing a public internet access to the cloud, you do a direct private access to the cloud so that you take away 40 milliseconds of your uh, response time. Those are the kinds of things that our folks are capable of, the conversations our folks are capable of having that you talk to your average provider out there, they have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I've heard that, especially the millisecond thing uh, in, in our world. Uh, well, we sell voice over IP technology, UCAS, CCAS, and things right. of that nature. And, you know, that, uh, you know, beyond, you know, you get about 50 milliseconds uh, out you know the, this like you're right on the threshold of being like you know yep. just a little bit of a, a loss and quite frankly uh people that basically have that and they start having those higher milliseconds it's usually because of the internet and they will drop you in a second 
Uh, oh yeah. Oh, it's yeah. not as forgiving as it, it, it's, you know, the voice services, business voice services, VoIP, um, however it's delivered today is, um, you know, it's been so stable for so many years that it's, it's, it's unforgiving, if you will, from a, a business perspective, yep. cell mm-hmm. phone coverage is like, if you lost somebody, you got some robotic sounds or noises, it's okay. I've always kind of wondered why why that is it's just that in our minds you know we've uh, grown up and had very stable connections uh you know uh, because of the network that's in place but cell phones were always yep. a little bit like eh, well i lost a call i'll call you back right you lose a regular phone call there's no forgiveness remember no. john i was a ceo of a voiceover internet protocol company before i was a ceo of bluebird network and people would, if they ever had any problems, they'd just call you up and say, get this stuff out of here. It didn't work. I'm used to it being perfect. If it's not perfect, I want it out of here. By the way, it was almost always because it was something they changed on site. They changed the firewall um, yep. settings. Uh, they changed the routing of their local LAN. First question that my old company used to always ask when people were having trouble with VoIP was, what did you change on site? right before these problems started happening. And the standard answer was always, we didn't change anything. Exactly. And then a day later, when we finally solved the problem and realized they had changed both their local network as well as the settings on their firewall. Okay. Yep. Yep. But, and so that's why- Our ALG on the modem, right? Coming in. Oh. But, But those are the kinds of things that a traditional internet company, a traditional fiber transport provider won't understand. And so that's another example of something here at Bluebird that we, we understand. And when people Excellent. call in, it doesn't matter whether it's our fault that somebody's having trouble. We stick with that customer until they are resolved. That's one of the things that, that you know, we do as well, because it's typically it's, it's something has happened internally, something has changed, or something that could be a router problem within a central office that the VoIP is passing through. And, uh, you know, with with the right diagnostic equipment, you can actually tell where packet loss happens and you can pinpoint mm-hmm. and you can tell them the IP address where these packets were lost is here. And then all of a sudden, magically, the next day, the uh, the, the savior was the internet provider said, oh, look, we got it fixed now because we told them where to find it. Yeah. They didn't go look for it. They weren't going to help. They were basically saying everything's good on our side. So yeah. Yeah. So, so again, it's people a lot of times focus on getting internet access for the lowest cost and don't realize that they are sacrificing something and they don't really realize what it is. I want to make sure everybody understands that Bluebird is, I mean, the the majority of our revenue does not come from internet access. Internet access is an application that runs on our network. If people buy internet access from us, they're going to be super happy. But, you know, that's just a small part of what Bluebird uh, is in the market to do. You know, I'm really interested in the name and a lot of times companies such as yourself have a, um, a really fantastic origin story or meaning behind uh, a name such as Bluebird. Do you mind telling us what that might be? <laughs> there is a, a meaning behind the name. Um, I did not come up with it. I mean, I, I've, anybody who's in business is in sales, right? That's right. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're all salespeople. John and Frederick, you guys are selling your podcast every time, right? I mean, it's everybody's in sales. So right. when I 
when I interviewed for this job, the first thing that came to me was the term bluebird means, uh, you know, a big sale that you made without really having to work very hard at it, right? That was the first thing that came to my mind. That is not correct. But that was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, uh, it's the state bird of the state of Missouri, which is where our headquarters are. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Who knew? Wow. Well, I like that. I mean, uh, you know, I, it wasn't the uh, explanation I was thinking it might be or some kind of complicated this or that metaphor. But yeah, that's awesome. I like that. It's an people honest remember, name. Yeah, people remember the name. It got started here. Um, and uh, we have services in Illinois as well. I mean, Illinois, Missouri, Iowa, Kansas, 11 states in the Midwest. Um, but I always get a lot of questions as to why it's not called Redbird, by the way, which is the state bird of the state of illinois and we do services mm. in illinois but uh um, that's always kind of odd to me too you see the uh the st louis cardinals mm -hmm. right i, I live there, in st. Louis. st louis illinois i understand that but yeah. you know uh, <laughs> where, where do the cardinals come from they shouldn't call the bluebirds right if that was the case correct they, they i don't know where they, they should be called the bluebirds um, but I have, I live in St. Louis, um, so I am a little partial, but we also have offices mm. throughout the Midwest. We have a, I'm also a Royals fan. We have an office in Kansas City, right? We have right. an office up in, up in uh, the Quad Cities, which is close to Chicago. So I'm also a Cubs and a, a White Sox fan. Uh, it's tough to be a Cubs fan when you're also a St. Louis Cardinals fan because yeah. they're mortal enemies. Yeah. They are. They are. So. <laughs> That's a fun one to explain to parties. Um, um, you usually don't find both Cubs fans and Cardinals fans yeah. at the same party. You usually no. don't have to explain it. Yeah, it's, it's, they don't it's associate together. You know, we're not having a lot of parties now, anyways, considering the pandemic. Michael, speaking of the pandemic, I wanted yeah. to talk to you about the pandemic and divide resolution. So, uh, one of the things that we we said we were going to talk about was how the pandemic made the need for broadband in underserved areas more obvious. Can you speak to that a little bit? I mean, there was a, a need for more broadband in rural areas before the pandemic, but you're right. It made it more obvious. So first of all, everybody had to leave the office, right? Yeah. So, and they all had to go home. So if your home was in a rural area, this was going to be tough if you didn't have good service. But it was more than just going home the entire way that we communicated changed to video, right? So now you not only have to go home, but you have to have more capability to communicate from home. So um, it basically was, you know, you know, two strikes. And if you, if you don't have a way to address it, then three strikes, you're out. Interestingly, I'm a good person to talk to about that because my home, I live on the outskirts of, Wild, of uh, St. Louis in a town called Wildwood. And I live, beautiful area, beautiful uh, three and a half acre lots. We're in the middle of a forest area, very mm. rocky. Nobody builds fiber there. I actually can't work from home. So wow. when, when the pandemic came out um, and we needed to have everybody work from home, at Bluebird, fortunately, I was the CEO and I could make the rules. We said, everybody's going to work from home except for essential services that we will have the offices open. If you go into the office, you'll wear a mask and all those different rules, right? That's yeah. what I call the Michael Mori rule because if it wasn't, <laughs> the office wasn't open, I was the only one in here for a, a while. 
CEO of a fiber company that doesn't have fiber to his home, okay? And uh, I mean, I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't do a Zoom meeting. I mean, I could barely send a file. So um, I'm a, an example of why it's critical to have great service in rural areas and, and why the pandemic accentuated that. I think that answers the question. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Right? Well, how do, how do companies step up to bridge this divide? How do some other companies do this? You know, if I work at big uh, enterprise uh, XYZ and I live in rural Live Oak, Florida, uh, I, you know, uh, my internet might be satellite and I, I'm certainly not having a video conference with anyone at that point. Well, I, I've got to tell you, I mean, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, those people, so there's a short term and a long term answer to that, right? In the long term, you see a tremendous amount of money, both at a federal level and at state levels, flowing into infrastructure fiber buildouts. Okay, because the real answer is you need to get fiber to every home throughout America, and in places like where I live, it will never make financial sense for a provider to build fiber to my location. I'm got there's a my local city of Wildwood has a grant program out right now where they are gonna give people money to get them to build in. So the only way to provide this kind of service in places that are not financially viable is to have a government entity provide some kind of grant, whether it's your local city, your state, your county, the federal organization, that's the only way to solve the problem long-term, okay? Um, Solutions like satellite, even if this Elon Musk stuff comes, by the way, I've signed up for Elon Musk satellite service called Star something or other. Oh yeah, Starlink, I think. Starlink, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm finan- helping him finance more of his, his uh, Teslas right now because he just seems to be collecting the money and I'm not sure. And his robots coming out I don't next know, year. Whatever he's into now, <laughs> he takes from his future stuff and he gives it to somebody else. I don't know, but anyway. I gave him my 500 bucks. It's in queue. I don't know if I'm ever going to get this stuff. But I doubt that that's really going to solve the problem because the reason why they're trying to deploy ultra-low Earth orbit satellites is because when when you go up to a satellite, there's a natural delay going up and down from the satellite. So the further it is up to the satellite, the less likely you're going to have a latency that's low enough, meaning the round-trip time of your call, to do something like a video call. Yeah. Um, and they are they are seeing that by having thousands and thousands of satellites in low Earth orbit, that the time to go up to the satellite and back down is going to be low enough to allow this kind of a communication to occur. I'm not buying. I, I don't buy. I don't think it's going to work. I haven't seen it yet, but I signed up for it. I mean, it's a great idea. I hope it works because then anybody can get it anywhere in the world. Um, and now that problem is solved because there's an awful lot of money flowing into fiber to the home. Now there's a, another set a little bit away from it. We talk about satellites. Well, what about cell tower kind of service, right? Instead of going all the way to the home, what if I get put up a tower and I'm like AT&T or I'm Verizon or I'm T-Mobile or US Cellular or something like that. And I get a lot of bandwidth locally, right, into those areas so that I can cover a hundred homes with fiber just to one tower and then the economics change, right? 
And, and that's a possibility. The one thing that's always going to be true is you're always going to be able to put more bandwidth across a fiber than you are going to be able to push through a spectrum in the air. If you look at everybody says, well, but the technology and spectrum in the air is going to get better, right? And they're going to be able to push more through. Yeah, that's also true of fiber. <laughs> the point is, is that if you look at it, how much spectrum we put through the air has been going up at, let's just say, I'm making this up, five times the bandwidth every 10 years. Yeah, bandwidth going through fiber is going up like 100 times every five years. It's, and, and then there's, there's limited spectrum that you can go through. So I, I don't think that licensed fixed wireless millimeter wave, CBRS spectrum kind of deployments, all those throw up out all the acronyms that people are talking about for that. I just don't think you're ever going to be able to keep up with what you can do if you get fiber of the home. Let me ask you this, Michael. So what do you foresee as being that gap divider? Divide the gap because people that cannot get to internet in some of these lower areas how do you perceive, I mean, obviously, if you could put fiber in every one of these little small rural cities, really great, but it's going to have to come down, I think you mentioned before, a little bit of a, a government uh, subsidy or somewhere a county subsidy to help provide that type of service. Is that yeah. how you see it? Is that Yeah, so, the, so you got different time horizons. Long term, it's fiber to every home. It's going to have to be grants provided by governments. That's the long term. I, 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 I personally, I think the uh, jury has come back on that. That's what the long term solution is going to be. I know there are a lot of people arguing that there are other long term solutions. I don't buy any of them. I think in the interim, the least expensive way to get something done quickly is unlicensed wireless, WISPs, WISPs, wireless internet service providers. And so you can, you can quickly get in, you don't have to buy the spectrum, but there are so many problems with those kinds of deployments. By definition, unlicensed wireless means that you can have, other people can use your licenses and therefore you can get interference. Hell, somebody puts in a, a color baby monitor at the house next door to you, which uses six of the spectrums for unlicensed wireless in the 2.4 gigabit range. And all of a sudden the person who has unlicensed wireless internet service in the house next door that, that you have to go past that house to get to the tower you're shooting at, their service goes down. And because the baby monitor next door, and they wonder why it is, is it all, it goes down at, you know, at like, uh, you know, 10 in the morning and two o'clock in the afternoon, and it goes down at 10 o'clock at night, because that's when they're putting their baby down. And it just keeps, you know, you can't figure that out. Things like that, okay, that happen constantly with unlicensed wireless, okay? So I think it's a quickie way to get things done in, in a, a short term, but it has lots of problems and those problems are not gonna get solved. And then the next step is, you know, millimeter wave fixed licensed wireless. That's the thing that, um, or CBRE, uh, CBRS uh, deployments. Those are the things that the AT&Ts, the, the Verizons and the T-Mobiles and those guys are doing. And I think that's the next kind of interim step. And, and you may have, when those people deploy, you know, they're doing small cell, right? And some of those small cell, which are 5G deployments, get ramped up to have enough bandwidth to actually displace the local fiber. And that's, that's a possibility. 
I, I think it's possible that that could be a long-term permanent competition for fiber to the home, but I think it's always going to be a disadvantage because of the limits of bandwidth. In fact, the, the bandwidth through the air is always going to be limited versus wireline. It's fascinating, all these different unforeseen challenges that arise with something like this. It's going to be interesting to see where we go in the future. It's a worldwide issue, but I mean, for years, you know, we've been hearing news of you know, you're not going to have copper to the, you know, you're not going to have copper anymore. Uh, some of these places you're going to have, you're going to have, you know, it's going to be fiber out to, but you're not going to run fiber out to a couple of, you know, uh, a county that has, you know, 300 people or whatever in the farmland. You're not going to get, you're not going to get, co- you know, copper, I mean, uh, fiber mm-hmm. out there. So the whole theory of getting rid of, uh, you know, analog, you know, copper that's still in the ground. Uh, we've been hearing about it for years. That's just going to go away. It's going to just disappear because fiber will be everywhere. I wish that would be the case. And we look at the world, uh, look at some of the third world countries. I mean, you know, how is that going to be possible? Well, you they know? said the same thing about roads at one point where, you well, know, hey, you won't, not, you won't be yeah, able to have a car because there's, you know, how are you going to pave all the roads in, uh, across the world? And uh, that happened, too. Well, I, I don't want to be a pessimist, but I'm just saying third world <laughs> countries don't have asphalt. They have roads. They're dirt because they've carried their carts over them. That's uh, right. They're not paved. Uh, so it's like some of those things, you know, how do we address those? Obviously, they have cell phone services in uh, third world countries. You can see that uh, they're using, so they're trying to get that infrastructure up, but, you know, and, and you look at during just this pandemic, what we've seen these days, like, uh, you know, there are parts of the country that people, I mean, kids don't have internet service. They can't do homeschooling. And is that an economic problem or is that a infrastructure problem? That, that would be my question. My, I got my answer would be yes. To both. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. There I has mean, to be a way yes. to pave these, so to speak, roads within the future, at least within our own country. Yeah. So, 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 John, I see what you're talking about. I still believe what I just said earlier, that eventually it's all going to be fiber. To answer your, your comment, I think it's a timing issue, right? Is it going to be in your and my lifetime? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I think, you know, and, and there are certain examples, you know, like for people who want to have this kind of communication at the top of Mount Everest, okay, maybe that's a never issue, but then maybe those are the things uh, where, where the satellites, you know, the, where satellite and low Earth orbit satellites are going to solve that, right? I see you giving me the thumbs up there. Um, so I, I think there are some places where even in 500 years, it won't make sense to have fiber to them. But in 500 years, we're gonna have fiber most places. And then there will be a smaller and smaller number of locations in a smaller and smaller number of countries where fiber is not connected. Now, you are not gonna be able to fact check me on that uh, in 500 years, John. So I feel very confident saying it. Probably not. Neither one of us will be around to have to see the result of this, but. I can certainly say that both of us and all three of us here probably uh, have are helping to contribute to the the idea of that because uh, it is something that we need. 
Uh, we're getting to the end of the show here, Michael. This is where the fun begins. It's been fun so far. I've had fun. Real, the real fun comes. Are you ready? Not really, but let's do it. <laughs> okay, so let's go back in time. If you could turn back time right now and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell him? So many ways and places I could go with that. Personally, professionally, I would say people are more important than accomplishments is what I would probably tell my 18-year-old self. Uh, that is focused on accomplishing and doing things. And um, um, I'm still very driven. And um, I do my very best now to slow down and focus on the people I'm working with. Think about our Boober employees. Nothing more important than our employees, our profits, our, you know, those come secondary. Focus on yourself, your family, our customers, things like that. So it's the people more than the accomplishments that are most important in life. Um, oh, that shows a lot about your, uh, you as a person, because in most cases in a CEO world, it'd be the other way around. It's all about the profits and not about the, you know, we can replace people. And uh, so shows a lot about your character. We appreciate you being on our show. Michael, let me ask you a question at, at the end here. Uh, where can people find out more about you and Bluebird? Easy. Go to our website, www.bluebirdnetwork.com. B-L-U-E-B-I-R-D-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Michael. We really appreciate you joining us for this episode and uh, sharing your time with us. You know, time is one of the uh, most difficult things, and uh, we, we really sincerely uh, appreciate you sharing it with us. Thank you so much, Michael, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. For Heads in the Cloud, I am Frederick Weiss. And I'm John Roth, and go St. Louis Bluebirds. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye now.